Welcome into the Dinger Derby podcast, the only podcast devoted 100% to Texas Tech Red Raider baseball, the only team in the country headed to their fourth College World Series in six years. I've got a great one for you today, folks, at least as far as I'm concerned. We will talk a little bit about the Michigan Wolverines, and then we will jump right in with Kendall Rogers, the co-managing editor of D1Baseball.com, talk about this Red Raiders team and their rise in the last half of the season, as well as the Wolverines and what they look like now. This, my friends, is Dinger Derby. Welcome to Dinger Derby, the only podcast completely devoted to Texas Tech baseball. Join your host, Keith Patrick, every week for team news, guests, ranking updates, and game reports. From opening weekend all the way through Omaha, we'll be hitting taters with the Red Raiders all season long. This is Dinger Derby. All right, folks. Well, as I said, the Michigan Wolverines headed to the College World Series. It's their first appearance there since 1984. As far as a Big Ten team goes, they're a team with a fair amount of baseball experience and tradition. They have 35 conference championships under their belt. That's from 1899 up through 2008. They've been conference tournament champions eight times, 1981 up to 2015. They've been in the NCAA tournament 24 times, and it's been pretty consistent for them, at least in the 2000s. Starting in 2005, they went 5, 6, 7, 8, 15, 17, 19. So not a bad run for them, especially for a Big Ten school. They struggle with the weather. There's problems for them there. Their first month of their season, at the very least, they're going to spend on the road. They've been to the College World Series eight times, counting 2019. They won it in 1953 and 1962, their first two trips, but they have not been to the series since 1984, 35 years since the Wolverines have been to the College World Series. You know they're jacked up and excited about it. I would argue that if there's a Cinderella story in this College World Series, Michigan might be that team, the one that was... There were some good expectations for them, maybe not of this level, to roll through what they did in the postseason and get to where they are. Just to recap them a little bit, they're 46 and 20 on the season, 16 and 7 in Big Ten play. They are 22 and 4 at home. Very impressive. 14 and 12 on the road, 10 and 4 in neutral sites. All really impressive numbers for them. As you'll recall, the Wolverines and the Red Raiders did meet in Lubbock March 21st through the 23rd. So that was a Thursday, Friday, Saturday matchup. Texas Tech did sweep that series. They beat the Wolverines 11-2, 10-3, and 8-5 in that three-game set. Texas Tech had two top 25 sweeps this season. One was Michigan. One was the Oklahoma State Cowboys. So two good sweeps to hang your hat on, and now here you are. One team you faced in the Super Regional and were able to dispatch them, and now facing the Wolverines in Game 1 of the College World Series. Texas Tech, fourth College World Series under their belt in six years. Three of those, they have faced a regular season opponent in Game 1. The first two years, 14 and 16, they faced TCU, and now this year they face Michigan, who, as I said, they swept in March. If you'll recall that Michigan series, that was that kind of unusual weekend where Thursday through Saturday you play Michigan in a three-game. Michigan and Stetson play on Saturday evening at Dan Law Field at Griffin Park, and then the Red Raiders played Stetson in two games to follow, kind of a midweek early in a Sunday-Monday matchup. 
The Wolverines, certainly not a bad program, not a bad team. They have done an impressive job through the postseason. They were placed into the Corvallis Regional with the defending national champion, Oregon State Beavers. They actually never ended up playing the Beavers. What they did do was play Creighton in their first game there. They took care of them six to nothing. Then they beat Cincinnati 10-4. They lost to Creighton in the Sunday evening game in the Corvallis Regional 11-7. And then they ended up beating Creighton 17-6 in the final game to win that Corvallis Regional. But they didn't go home after that. They headed down the West Coast to L.A. where they faced UCLA, the number one overall seed in the Super Regional. UCLA had not lost a midweek series, and they had not lost a weekend series all season long. They beat UCLA in Game 1, 3-2. They lost the second game late on a Saturday night in a 12-inning affair, 5-4. Really a great game of baseball. And then came back and beat UCLA on Sunday evening, 4-2, to earn their first trip to the College World Series in 35 years. Michigan has earned their way to Omaha. There is no doubt about it. Nobody laid down for them. They didn't play cupcakes. They played good, tough baseball. And now we're going to talk to Kendall Rogers about what this team looked like and what we may be seeing different from them here in Omaha as the Red Raiders prepare to face them at 1 o'clock Central Time on Saturday. So joining us now, the co-managing editor of D1Baseball.com, our friend Kendall Rogers. Kendall, thank you so much for joining us. Let's dive right in. Looking back to the Big 12 schedule for Texas Tech, I mean, to give credit where it's due, you were a believer. I mean, you told me on Twitter, too, that you were kind of waiting all season for Tech to take that step. So what was it? You know, what was it later in the conference slate that you saw from the Red Raiders? I mean, you you picked them late to get that Big 12 title done. So what was it you saw that they were about to step out and do? You know, I think the biggest thing when I look at Tech, you know, I remember back in the Texas series I covered in Austin, and uh, they really just hadn't found their stride from an offensive standpoint yet. If you if you think back in that Texas series, they really just kind of scuffled offensively. Uh, you know, Josh Young wasn't uh, – ultra consistent at that point you know, right. this, this you know, Cameron Warren wasn't kind of the guy he is now or was from about the midseason mark and on and so you know I think the biggest thing for me is I think we all and this is why we were kind of patient with Tech is I think we all thought and knew the offense would come together at some point and you know if you remember back to that Texas series as well uh, you know Tech was still trying to figure out it's kind of you know pitching situation you know the starting rotation uh, even yep. really until the last like few weeks of the season the starting rotation kind of juggled a little bit so that was just a much different team and I, and I kind of preach patience there because I mean we all know uh, Tadlock and that staff they always seem to find the right formula at some point and so uh, you know it's not surprising to me they figured everything out this is a team that has a lot of veterans offensively uh, this is a team that you know, yeah the, the pitching numbers may not just scream at you uh, but this is a good pitching staff and so uh, I, I was a believer from day one and I just thought from about the midseason mark on uh, they play like a much different team and I think you kind of circle you know, that uh, that Oklahoma State series in Lubbock in Big 12 play is kind of a turning point, too. I think from that point on, I think the Red Raiders kind of figured out, hey, we're, we're pretty dang good. And, uh, you know, they've they played like that ever since. Right. Yeah, that Texas series was a big one. That was a reset for Caleb Killian, who had had a really 
a struggling start to the season. And, yeah. you know, in that Saturday game, he pitches a one-hit shutout. He goes seven innings, a combined shutout with Clayton Beater. And he said afterwards, he gave credit to the coaching staff and said, hey, they mentally just told me start over. Like, let's just reset the season now. And so that was a turning point for him. Not that he's been nails every week, week in and week out, but he's been consistent. And he kind of got overshadowed at West Virginia a few weeks later because he went complete game one hitter, nine strikeouts against – or two hitter against Alec Manoa. Manoa had an unbelievable day. But he yeah. – you know, he's really shown that he's got the, the stuff. And, you know, I would go to that Baylor series as well. You lose a extra innings game in the 11th on the Thursday night game, but you show yeah. that you can hang and you can make this comeback and then you roll in and, and you end up finishing out and then you run rule them on Saturday. That was the Easter weekend series started – went Thursday, Saturday. Yeah. So. No doubt. That's a good point. You know, the Baylor series, you had to bring that one up. But, yeah, you're right. They lose that opener. And then just the way they kind of storm back, especially the way they play in that series finale, yeah, you can kind of circle that one too. So, you know, I, I think we all saw Caleb kind of being being that guy last year. You know, I remember watching and covering the, the TCU series in, in Fort Worth last year. And if you remember that, I think he might have thrown like a three or four hitter. I've, uh, I've slept, uh, had a couple of beers, and covered a lot of games since then. Right. I, I can't remember exactly, right. but I think he threw like a three or four hitter at TCU. And, you know, if you remember that breaking ball for him in that game was just outstanding. And so yeah. uh, I, I think we all thought that he had that inning. And so it's been nice to see him kind of put all the pieces together because, you know, he's he's one of the better kids I've been able to cover. So it's good to see him having success. Yeah, yeah, he's a great kid and, and really is, enjoys playing baseball, but also just kind of enjoys being in school. I think he's a little bit of a different yeah, no breed doubt. from that side. But, yeah, and you, you mentioned Cameron Warren. Like you said, he hadn't come on. And it's kind of funny how there's a little bit of a mirror because it was the Baylor series last year that Zach Reams came on, owned that DH spot, and became the power hitter and then yeah. was excellent in the postseason. Now Cameron Warren kind of comes on later in the season, starting looking around that series. And all of a sudden, you know, we have a, a guy that heckles from the stands. He's been there 20 years. And before the games, he always tells Cameron Warren how many dingers he needs to hit that day. And I remember around yeah. that Baylor series, he tells him, two today, you're going to get to 20. And the look on Cam's face was like, 20? That's that's a bunch. <laughs> well, now he's sitting here at 17, you know, walking into the College World Series. Yeah, yeah you know, he's one of those guys. He's like, he, that's a Zach Green's comp. It's pretty good. That's like Zach Green's 2.0. But he's funny. You know, you look at Cam Warren, and, like, it's one of those deals where you kind of look at, like, a maybe like a defensive tackle that might be a pretty husky guy. And you're thinking, like, okay, this guy can't be that great. And then he goes out there <laughs> and just bulldozes you. Like, I feel like Cam is like that in baseball. Like, you kind of look at the guy and you're like, okay, this guy's just going to go up there and hack and just hack away. But he goes up there with a really good approach. Mm -hmm. uh, I really like his, his maturity. You know, he's one of those guys that, like, every time I watch Tech play, the dude has a smile on his face. So oh, yeah. I just love that about him. And he just has such a steady approach. And so, you know, whereas Cam in the past might have been a guy who relied heavily on the long ball, and, and granted, he still does that to an extent. He relies on those extra base hits. But, you know, he's got a consistent average. He finds ways to get on base. And uh, he's there, it's a real force in that lineup. I'll tell you what, it is not easy to get Big 12 Player of the Year over Josh Young and his being able to do that. So that, that one-two punch there, uh, you know, has not only been critical here down the stretch, but it's going to be critical in Omaha as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mind-blowing stat for Cam Warren. He has two triples this season. It blows my mind that that guy has legged those out, but he's got 16 doubles. He almost, yeah. you know, he's third it on the like team. Sounds like he's faster than me. Yeah, he's definitely faster than us. He's not faster than most guys. <laughs> That's why he got pinch run for the other night. But 
Yeah, he's a he's a great guy, and I'll tell you, you know, and I don't think he'd mind me saying. Michael Davis told me last year, in his opinion, Cameron Warren was the most talented player on the team. Just pure wow. natural talent, just a fantastic yeah. baseball player. Yeah, he's just kind of an old school, old school baseball player, and that you know, and that's one thing you know to to give Tad and those guys credit. That's one thing I've really, really liked about Texas Tech baseball since Tadlock's shown up is, you know, they'll, they'll have the Josh Youngs and guys like that. But, I mean, this program was was built on the Eric Gutierrez's and the guys like that. So, mm-hmm. uh, I really just love just kind of the old school approach so many of these guys have on this team. Yeah, early – one of my first episodes of the podcast, I had Jamie Lynn on from Texas Tech's broadcast crew, and we talked about that. You go to the College World Series in 2014, yeah. and it's just a bunch of no-name guys just working their butts off having a great time, you know, and, and enjoying the ride, but also making it happen. And I think you still have some of those types of players. you got a lot more talent than you used to, but you got guys that just get out there and love to play. And you yeah. saw Tadlock the other night. He gets emotional just talking about their work ethic and how hard they prepare. And I think that's definitely a hallmark of the team. Yeah, no doubt. You know, and that's one thing. You know, I, there are a lot of coaches out there, and, and granted there's not many of them. There, there's some coaches out there who – you watch, you know, do press conferences. You watch them talk to the media and stuff like that. And when they talk about their players, it's, it's very businesslike. And granted, like, you know, I, I don't mind either approach, but, you know, you, you hear some coaches and it's very business. It's not a, it's not really like a family deal. It's more so like it's my job and they're the employees a little bit. Uh, and when I look at Tadlock, right. and one thing I find like attractive if I was a recruit is the fact that that guy really, really cares about his players. You saw it. In one interview last year where the dude was tearing up over talking about his players, and, you know, the other day somebody's asking about the team and Josh Young and guys like that, and he gets emotional. And that, that's authentic, man. I mean, Tadlock is yep. not one of those guys who's going to fake anything. And uh, it's it's awesome to see a guy that authentic. And, and uh, that you know, I think that's a big reason why that team is willing to run through a wall for not only him, but for that, that school and that stuff. Yeah, the, I think the whole staff, J-Bob, I mean, seeing a video of J-Bob Thomas, you know, dropping it like it's hot in the middle of the locker room after a super regional win. I mean, now you know why this guy's such a great recruiter. It's I have not seen that video. I need I need her to see that and give J-Bob a hard time. I have a feeling it's not Yeah, I, I will tag you in that. I'll tag you in that. Oh, yeah, that was – everybody's texting like, is that Matt Gartner? No, that's J-Bob. <laughs> I, I don't know if well, I that's can – Maybe that's how he's dropping like – yeah, maybe that's how he's been. Uh, maybe that's how he's been dropping weight. Maybe he's been doing some some dancing classes or something. I don't maybe know. He's on that, maybe he's on but, that keto or something. <laughs> that's right. Well, uh, yeah. In, in talking about Tadlock in my episode that I dropped this morning, you know, yeah. I played a couple clips. One of that press conference, but one that's one of my favorites. Somebody put a little compilation together from 2014. You know, in his introductory press conference, he said somebody told him the other day that Texas Tech couldn't go to Omaha. I said we're about to find out. And in the post game press conference after they beat College of Charleston in the region in the super regional, someone asked him, "Do you remember what you said?" And, and like you said, that authentic moment, he tears up yeah. and says, "Yeah, man, of course I remember." And that's not only an alumni thing. You know, you care no, about no. your school, but that's just true commitment and love for what you're doing. And he's definitely a guy that loves baseball. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I was on a, a national show yesterday on, on ESPNU radio, and you know, I was talking. We're talking about Texas Tech and just kind of the difference in this program under Tadlock. And, you know, I have the greatest amount of respect for Larry Hayes. He's an amazing man and certainly an outstanding coach. And it's hard to get to Omaha. And, you know, I think back, you know, back when I started following college baseball back in the Southwest Conference days, man, I remember seeing Tech teams like, no, you know, no offense to the current teams, 
But, you know, you think back at those teams with Joe Dillon and Keith Ginner and Shane Wright. Mm-hmm. I mean, those teams were better than any of these teams that Tadlock's had. And that team did not get to Omaha. And so to, to be able to turn the culture around to a culture where not only do we, in, you know, uh, envision going to Omaha, but like Omaha is the expectation. Like if they don't go to Omaha, right. that program considers that a disappointment. And to go from where Tech was, losing to Rice and Olympic Regional back in the day and not getting over the hump to where they are now, uh, it, it's pretty special and it shouldn't be taken for granted because it is not easy to change that the mindset like that uh, really kind of overnight, honestly. Right, yeah, incredibly quick. And, yeah, when you talk about the expectation, I mean, 17 fans still constantly looking back and saying that might have been our most talented team. I would argue 19 from a talent standpoint, maybe a little higher than that, but 17, this incredibly talented team and you're disappointed, you know, that you don't get out of your regional and that yeah. is, you know, an expectation and it being special. I'm glad you said that. I'll play this for my wife. Cause that's what I tell her when I say, Hey, I'm going to leave for 10 days and go to the college world series. <laughs> Take take the kid to your parents' house. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I would actually be interested, you know, whether like Mike Gustin or Chris Steed, any of those guys, how they would compare some of these past few teams to, uh, you know, the, the Shane Wright's teams with, with Keith Ginner and Joe Dillon and those guys. Dillon might have been right before Shane Wright. But, you know, if you remember, there was one of those teams that I think it was 98. Uh, that, that was the best Texas Tech team I've ever seen. I mean, they were just ridiculous. Uh, and so right. for those guys not to get to Omaha, uh, is just incredible because they're one of those teams, you know, a lot like I think it was like Louis was it Louisville and A and M back in '15 that both were just outrageously good and neither got to Omaha. Right. Texas Tech that '98 year was pretty much the same. Yeah, that was a great team. No, I love that. That's a I've been trying to figure out what I'm going to do in my off season, and I've thought, you know, I've had Gus on, but it's tough when you're doing a you know a, a preview or a recap episode. You don't want to stay forever, but I want to do some interviews with some of those guys. That's a great topic to talk about, and they've certainly been around watching them. It's funny, you know, I grew up obviously watching Southwest Conference baseball, and obviously, you know, paying attention to Tech, A and M, Texas, and you know, I still remember thinking back. It's it's funny to 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 you know dive into your memory box a little bit, but I remember that '98 year. I think, and and Gus and those guys can correct me here, but I think there was a a game or a series against A and M that year to where I think it snowed on Friday. They got put, rained out. And I think by Sunday, I think the high was seven. I think the game was 78. It was actually televised. Uh, it was a Shane Wright year. And I think it was 78 on Sunday, and it was snowing on Friday in Lubbock. That sounds, that sounds so Lubbock. <laughs> yeah, I just remember that. I remember that beyond everything else. This weekend we had 97 on Saturday, and it was in the low 60s with 30-mile-an-hour wind on Sunday night. So, yeah, that, yeah I definitely good. believe that. That's awesome. Yeah, no kidding. Well, let's. Let's talk a little bit about Michigan, and then sure. and then we'll let you get on. I know you're super busy this time of year and got other things happening, but so you look back. Texas Tech obviously played Michigan in a in a Thursday through Saturday series back in March, and uh, you know swept them one of two top twenty five sweeps of the season. The other being Oklahoma State. Obviously, you know it's tough to beat a team more in a season multiple times. You had to beat Oklahoma State five times in a season to to advance to where you are, but. You know, this team, I'm sure, is is completely different than what we saw then. Uh, but Texas Tech did light up uh, both Kaufman and Henry. I think handed Henry his first loss of the season at that point. So, you know, what if you could put your finger on one thing, or if it, even if it's multiple things, what's different about this Michigan team from when the Red Raiders saw them before? Well, I think the biggest thing for me when I look at Michigan is that they're a lot more consistent these days, whether it's uh, the Texas Tech series early in the year, just the way they played in the Big Ten. 
Uh, this is a team that really, really struggled until, I mean, honestly, the last like two weeks of the season. If you remember, they lost a, I think it was a series to Nebraska, maybe the final week in a Big Ten play. So yeah. Michigan, you know, we had Michigan as a top 18 team preseason. We thought they'd be pretty good. And uh, they're finally a lot like some of these other teams out there, like, you know, Auburn and Florida State. They're finally playing the brand of baseball we thought they were going to play the whole year. And so they're, they're dangerous in that regard. But, you know, you look back at the UCLA series, Tommy Henry and Carl Kaufman both threw really well. Uh, I feel like the bullpen has gotten better as the season progressed. Ben Kaiser uh, and Willie Weiss have done a really nice job for Eric Backage's team. And so they've kind of stabilized things on the mound. But then when you look at the offense, uh, they can hit with a little bit of power now. You know, Jimmy Kerr has double-digit home runs. Yeah. Jordan Brewer has double-digit home runs. Jordan Milogu is really dangerous. They've got some athleticism throughout the lineup. So uh, the biggest difference for me is not only were, you know, was Michigan still trying to find its way from a pitching standpoint going into that weekend against Tech, uh, it is a little different in the sense that they're playing in Omaha in a big ballpark. It's a place like Dan Law Field, which isn't the, the offensive uh, palace that it was at, at one point, uh, but it still is a pretty offensive ballpark. So it's yeah, a different situation. I think right now, I think both these teams are much different. I think Texas Tech's much much different and much better than they were at that point. And I think Michigan's much different and much better than they were at that point. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, you mentioned the the power. I mean, yeah, they have four guys all with 12 home runs apiece. So yeah. when you kind of go across the the season stats all the way across like the cumulative stats, these teams are really similar. I mean, RBI, walks, it, strikeouts, hits, I mean, it's all really close. They do kind of have the edge in home runs with with four guys in double digits and yeah. and others that are close and for the Red Raiders you know, listening, the comparison there, Cameron Warren sitting at 17 dingers, Josh Young at 14, and then your next guy is Dylan Noisy with eight, you know, and down from there. So yeah. you got 67 on the season, which isn't a huge number by any means. You know, I've kind of seen some late. But the one thing when you look at Michigan, I mean, you got only two or three guys that are they're hitting over 300. So you, like you said, you worry a little bit about consistency, but that does seem to have picked up. It's just been late for them. I mean, am I wrong in feeling like if there's one that's the Cinderella team of this College World Series that Michigan is them? 35 years since they've been, you know, was one of the last four in, and then here they are. Yeah, I would say so. You know, and they're and they're dangerous. You know, you look at their numbers, and you know, like Ko Thomas, right. for instance, is a. You know, you look at his number. I think he, I think he might be hitting a hair over two sixty, if I remember right. Looking at the stats last night, but you know, Ko Thomas. I mean, he. You know, he's a guy that is a is pretty much a career kind of two ninety three hundred ish hitter, and he's has struggled a little bit this year. But you know, he's a guy that can get on base, and once he gets on base, he can really make things happen on the base pass. You know, Blake Nelson and Jack Blomgren have done some nice things this year for them, uh, and so. Uh, yeah, they've got some guys that maybe don't have amazing averages, but boy, they're they are a dangerous club. They're versatile. They can make things happen on the bases. And even you know Jordan Brewer and Jordan Nwogu are, are both guys that you know though, though they are power hitters, uh, they've got some athleticism too. So you know Jesse Franklin's had a really nice postseason. So this is a very deep lineup, and I, I definitely do think Michigan is dangerous. I do I do worry a little bit. Uh, how they fare in Omaha being a first team. This is a big deal for them. You always worry about those teams, but boy, if they can, if sure. they can get over that and get over the nervousness, uh, you're, you're right. They can be very dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a really good point. When you talk about, you know, causing mayhem on the base paths, they have five guys that have double digit stolen bases with Jordan Brewer, the most with 24 uh, Texas tech only has a couple of guys, you know, and yeah. that Gabe Holt being one of them, not sure if he's going to play Dylan noisy. The other, of course, Max Marshak, a guy with the speed, Cody masters has that kind of speed, just hasn't played yeah. quite as much, 
But yeah, that's that could be a big difference maker there, and, and you definitely put pressure on pitchers. And that's a game Tim Tadlock likes to play, just hasn't been able to as much. And yeah, I think that was a big difference on Sunday, not having Gabe Holt uh, to cause that and to challenge Colin Simpson behind the dish. You know, then all of a sudden you find yourself with the one opportunity to do that late in the game, and it paid off. But yeah, that could be something that that you could see Michigan do a lot of. Yeah, there's no there's no doubt they're going to give Braxton full court or, or Cole Stillwell a little bit of a workout back there. Yeah, well, and I think Fulford, you know, he caught a bad rap that the first TCU game in 14 Oh, innings, that's right, yeah. Uh, that Braxton Fulford jumped up to complete the strikeout. He got crossed up and stepped on his foot. He, that's what everyone remembers. What they forget is he had he threw four out on the base paths that night. I mean, he's a guy that does not hesitate, and he's generally pretty strong yeah. from behind there. But, you know, you're right. You mentioned Cole Stilwell, very limited action. Uh, the, the third catcher was one of the, the postseason roster cuts, Mason Menzies, so – Red Raiders, if they're thin anywhere, it, it, it's right there at catcher for sure. Yeah, no doubt. So it should be it'd be a lot of fun to see, you know, not only what Michigan does against Tech, uh, you know, on the base pad, but also, you know, what Tech can do against Michigan. You know, that's a, that's a team they've had success against offensively before, so it should be a lot of fun. Right. So, Carl Kaufman, is that who you uh, would expect to see in that Saturday afternoon game? Yeah, I mean, if they stick with their normal rotation of what they had in the Super, it will be Carl Kaufman. And he, you know, he gets UCLA, did a really nice job. You know, he'll be, you know, 89, 93 this fastball and uh, a pretty good slider. And, and so that, that'll be the big key for him is being able to command those two pitches against Tech. Because if you don't command against Texas Tech, you're in trouble. Right. Well, and things have changed since the Red Raiders played Michigan, no but problem. both Micah Dallas and Caleb Killian both pitched in that series and both did really well. I think one went five, one went six. Limited runs given up, so they did a they did a good job. But both pitching really well right now. So I know you got a run, Kendall. Before you go, what's the one for Red Raiders? Maybe those going up the first time. What's the one can't miss? Kendall Rogers Omaha recommendation to hit. Well, unfortunately, I would suggest the Drover, but the Drover, from what I'm hearing, will not be open yet. They you know they had a kitchen fire back in the spring. So the Drover oh. apparently is closed for the College World Series. I mean, that, that, that almost makes me want to stay home. But, uh, you know, other, <laughs> other, other than that. I'm sure they're not real excited about that oh, either. Oh, man, that, that, they gotta, that's got to be brutal. My, my guess is it must be involved some sort of insurance claim. But anyways, right. uh, outside of the Drover, um, I would suggest, um, boy, La Sola Mio Italian. Uh, La Sola Mio. If you go there, get the bruschetta. Uh, the the food there is incredible. It's authentic Italian. Uh, it's as good as it gets. Uh, so La Sola Mio Italian, it is phenomenal. Nice. Hey, anybody that hasn't been, Omaha is a great place to visit. And like, I want to make fun of Kendall saying, get the best the best Italian you're going to get in Omaha, Nebraska. But it's an awesome city. It's a great place to go. And there's tons of great food options and places to hang out. It's a really cool place to be. I encourage you guys to go if you're not. Yeah, what's funny about Omaha is a lot of people don't know this, but Omaha actually has a very large Italian population. So that's why you see so many Italian steakhouses there. That's awesome. Very cool. Well, hey, man, I appreciate your time. I know you got to go. you got another interview coming up, but thanks so much. And appreciate what you guys do covering the sport and advancing things and uh, looking forward to hopefully connecting up in Omaha and getting to talk a little bit more. Yeah, you got it. Good luck to the Red Raiders up there, and uh, good to see Tech back in Omaha. So we see you soon, Keith. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate you. Everybody. Well, there you have it, folks. Kendall Rogers at D1Baseball.com. Really a great guy. I know that we've had our Twitter differences, and we've had some things I've talked about here on the podcast that we disagree on, but I'll say it for Kendall. I appreciate his coverage of college baseball. I appreciate what D1Baseball does 
for college baseball. They do it better than anybody else. We may not agree on every point, but I appreciate what they do for the game, what they're here for, and that their coverage is, is second to none when it comes to this sport. So really appreciate Kendall coming on with me, taking the time. Looking forward to getting to hang out in Omaha. I'm headed up there with a friend here in a couple of days. Looking forward to seeing these Red Raiders. Very excited. Got some good seats for the game. Cannot wait to watch Texas Tech. It's going to be a fun, fun time in Omaha. You're poised to make some noise. The Red Raiders went in 14 for the first time. They won their first game in 16. They were in the loser's bracket when they beat Florida. And then last year also beat Florida the first time they won their first game in Omaha. So now you hope for another first where you can win your first two. You play Saturday at 1 p.m. against Michigan. On Monday, you'll either play at 1 p.m. or 6 p.m. against either Arkansas or Florida State, depending on who wins and loses, if you win and lose, all those things. And then if you win those first two games, you won't play again until Friday, and that Friday game is your play-in to get into the National Championship Series. So as Tim Tadlock said, you're five wins away from the big one, and that is a really exciting thing to talk about. So the Red Raiders right there in the mix, very excited to see what they do. Who knows what it'll hold, but that's the great thing about postseason baseball. You're on the edge of your seat and really love watching every bit of it. I believe every game is televised on ESPN. You should be able to find that streaming. You can find it on your cable. Get around some other Red Raiders. Hang out with them. Have a great time doing it. This is, in my opinion, the best time of the year. I'll cover it for you from Omaha. I'll come to you after each game with a recap. I'll do my best to get some guests on for you, and we'll talk about these games. I am looking forward to it, my friends. Cannot wait to be there. Appreciate y'all. Appreciate your support. Tell folks about the podcast. Get out there and subscribe. Get out there and rate on whatever platform you're using, especially iTunes. Until we talk again, here's to the Omaha-bound Texas Tech Red Raiders. Looking forward to all of it, folks. Wreck them. Thanks for tuning in to Dinger Derby and sharing our love for Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. You can connect with Keith on Twitter at Dinger underscore Derby and find more Texas Tech sports content at stakingtheplains.com. Help us out by rating us and leaving a review on iTunes. And remember to tell your friends about the show. Keith will be back next week with another episode of Dinger Derby. And until then, wreck of tech. Keep your hand on your gun. Don't you trust anyone There's just one kind of man that you can trust That's a dead man or a gringo like me Be the first one to fire Every man is a liar There's just one kind of man who tells the truth That's a dead man or a gringo like me